Amen. That's pretty awesome, right? Hey, let me ask you something. You believe that tonight? Uh, Now, this is going to be harder than I thought, because I thought we would be a little more responsive than that, right? I thought more of us maybe believed that. I thought more people, you know, at, at Midtown Baptist Temple, I thought more people would believe the promises of God, that he's faithful, he's true to his word, and we can believe what he says. Do we believe that? All right. With that response, we're done. Let's go home. That's enough, right? We know, we know what we need to know. It's an incredible message, right? Uh, it's always a joy to get to come to Mission Focus. Uh, man, what a wonderful opportunity to just refocus the way that we think and uh, get our attention back on the things that they need to be on. I've had a great time being here, although not here at Midtown. I was at Harvest on Wednesday night with Alan Shelby. I mean, how can you have a bad time when you're with Alan Shelby, right? This guy's Yoda, man. He's, he knows it all. He's the leader of our fellowship and uh, just an awesome dude to get to be around. Last night I was out with, with Dan at uh, Living Faith Lee Summit. Your daughter is well. Yeah, she's doing well. Uh, that church that God blessed you, the opportunity to, to plant and, and be a daughter church of Midtown. Uh, and what a wonderful fellowship, of church, uh, fellowship it is uh, in Lee Summit. Uh, and that's an incredible thing, right? That God would give you that, that privilege uh, to, to have a daughter like that. You know, my daughter's here, my physical daughter, she's here somewhere. And I'm, I'm in awe that God lets me be her dad, that he gave me her. What an awesome privilege that is. Uh, God's given you a daughter church there. And, 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 and in Boston and, and other places uh, around the world that God's doing that. Uh, planting churches out of this church. What an awesome thing that God is doing. Sam just leaned over to me a moment ago and said, you know, when we started this thing, there were like 10 of us in here. And now God's taking 10 or more out of you and going to other places and planting churches. And that's an amazing, incredible, wonderful thing. And I want to encourage you tonight to never get used to that, to never rest on your laurels. It's, it's wonderful what God has done, but it can't stop now. We can't stop now. We, we've got to go forward. We've got to continue because there's, there's, still, there's still people who need to hear the message of the gospel. There's still glory that needs to be brought to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And we've got a work to do. And, and as you have heard already, I know the heavy lifting has been done with James Fife and, and, and Jeff Bartell and just talking about the, the need to fall in love with the master and, and love his mission and to, to plant and to water and to give God the opportunity to, to increase that, to, to know the times that we live in, to be like the sons of Issachar that, that know their times and know what, what Israel at that time, what the church ought to do. Uh, what incredible messages that we've had. Uh, and and it's, it's wonderful to, to be here tonight because really, like I said, I think the heavy lifting's done. So all I'm going to do is try to motivate you. I mean, I think what Jeff shared last night is just so incredibly strategic for us to understand. We are right at the end of the church age, and it's going to end like it began. And and we've got to change our strategy, and that's a a wonderful strategic thing for us to understand and to get involved in, because time is short. Time's short. We we don't have a lot of time left. Jeff ended last night talking about that, and and I want to talk about that tonight more from a, a motivational perspective than a strategic perspective. I just want us to get to the place that we really believe that. Do we? You know, you know what I fear? You know, it's, it's, we're, we're close to Christmas, and I, I love the story of the, the wise men. You know, they, they come to Jerusalem looking for Jesus. You remember the story? It's in Matthew chapter 2. Most of us know the story. You know, they come some 900 miles. You know, they come from the Babylonian uh, Empire, and they, they come to Jerusalem, and they, they inquire, where is he born, King of the Jews? It's the first coming of Jesus Christ. And these guys have come, and they're, they're looking for him, and Herod's a little freaked out by that. In fact, it says everybody in Jerusalem's a little freaked out about that. But they know who to go to. They go to the scribes. And when they go to the scribes, they ask them, hey, hey, what's this king of the Jews thing? This, this Jesus, where, where was, where's he going to be born? And what do they do? What do the scribes do? Oh, oh, oh. We know that. In fact, we can even give you chapter and verse. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And, and, you know, that's awesome. But then what did they do? I mean, the wise men left and they went to worship Jesus. Herod 
formed a plot to kill Jesus. But maybe worse than Herod was these religious leaders, these people who had the information, but all they had was information. They went right back to their lives. They went right back to doing what they were doing before they shared the information. You know, I think that's what happens to us a lot of times. We'll come to a conference like this. We'll spend a few days together. We're excited. We have a wonderful time. It's awesome to get to be together with our friends and to, to sing and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and certainly that's, that's worthy. But I wonder, I wonder if we walk away any different. I wonder if we're kind of indifferent to the truth. Like the scribes and the priests. Like these guys who knew all the answers. Sometimes I think Living Faith Fellowship, we've, we've got a wonderful fellowship of churches. We know the Bible. We've got the best Bible teachers in the country. I believe that, hands down. We've got some of the best preachers in the country. I'm not among them, but we have them. And I think, but I, I think sometimes we just, we, we've got the answers, but, but it's not impacting how we live. And, and what I want to say to us tonight is this. Man, it is high time that we start living what we know. It's high time that we start doing something about what we know. It's, it's high time that we fall in love with the Master and, and begin to get involved in His mission, right? It's high time that we get outside and, and begin to, to plant some seeds and, and to find a place. Maybe, maybe tonight God would tell some of you, you need to go to Boston and water some seed that's been planted. Some of us need to, to get serious about the mission and, and trust God to give us the increase, to, to, to strategically change and to realize it's not so much about the form, it's about the function. Let's, let's be serious about what God's called us to do. Let's, I don't know. Do we believe that time's short? I mean, I think... I think we, we know it in our heads, but I wonder if we believe it in our hearts, such that it impacts how we live. Uh, we do know it, right? We've got all the truth. You know, Paul, he, he wrote to, about it repeatedly. He writes to the church of Thessalonica, and he tells them, you know, you have no need that I write unto you. You know perfectly the day of the Lord comes thief in the night. But it shouldn't overtake you as a thief, right? He says, you should know the times and the seasons. You're, you're children of light. You're, not of, you're of the day. You're not of the night or of the darkness. We, we know it. But do we allow it to motivate us, to drive us? Are, are we willing to get involved? Certainly there's the scriptures that, that, that reveal to us where we are in time. There's a lot of things that are just happening in the world today. Obviously, when you want to know what time it is on God's clock, look at Israel. You know, I, I think we may be discount that incredible miracle has happened in, in at least the lifespan of a, a person 1948 Israel becomes a nation. That's, that's probably the greatest miracle of all time. 1967, Israel is re, or Jerusalem is retaken. You know, just, in, just a couple of years ago, 2019, the United States of America, we moved our embassy to Jerusalem. And I think sometimes as Americans we think, big deal, who cares? And after all, Donald Trump did that and you know, that can't be right, right? Sorry. Everybody just got a little uncomfortable. I was in Israel when they made that announcement. I'll promise you, it's a big deal to the Israelis. You know, did, did you know they minted a coin that had Cyrus and Donald Trump on it? No lie. No lie. They thought it was a big deal. You know, things are happening right in front of us. While I was there, I, I had the opportunity to go up on the Syrian border and be at the Alma Research Center, which uh, is a, a, a research center that actually researches ways that Israel can defend itself against its many enemies that surround it. And one of the things that, that they did with us was they put us into a scenario. So they said, you're the cabinet of the, the nation of Israel, and, and as the cabinet of the nation of Israel, we're going to give you a situation, and, and you're going to vote what you should do. And the, the situation was unique. It was interesting to me because it's a, it's a situation that was prophesied over 2,500 years ago in the scriptures, but that has never taken place until just the last few years. The situation had to do with Russian missiles that had been delivered by Iran into Syria to be used against Israel. And, and this wasn't a fictional thing. This was something that, 
that had actually happened. It wasn't happening at that time, but it was something that had happened in recent days. It's something that, that they had experienced. It was a decision they had to make. And, and the decision was, would you make a preemptive strike or do you wait for them to use those missiles? The, the only thing I want you to get is this. Time short, that's a, that's a prophecy of over 2,500 years ago from the book of Ezekiel that, that has come to pass in the last just few years. In the lifetime of every person sitting in this room. Obviously, we, we, we're aware of the... The craziness, and I think maybe Jeff mentioned some of it last night, just the craziness in our world right now. COVID-19 has proven that we live in a very small world, right? And, and, and we have the willingness to, to go along with some things. You know, when I was a younger guy and, and you hear the things that are going to happen with the Antichrist, you know, I would think, how would that, there's, there's no way anybody's going to take a mark in their forehead or in their, there's no way anybody would ever do that. Well, in Sweden, they're doing that right now with vaccine passports. It's crazy. I, I just, those are just examples of things that should, should I, I think, speak into our lives. They're, they're the fulfillment of the Word of God. I, I was looking at an article recently, and this picture came up. I think I've got it on the screen. Hopefully, it'll come up for you. I don't know. Maybe it won't. But it, uh, look at that. Wow. That's a nice looking guy, right? It's a leopard with wings, right? It's in the, it's in the visitor's plaza at the United Nations. It was just put there, it was donated and, and placed in the visitor's plaza. And, and here's what it's called, that's, that's the guardian of peace. It looks like it just walked out of a Larkin chart, right? <laughs> you ever seen a Larkin chart? Just placed there recently. You know, I, I, I just share those things to, to kind of get us. Obviously, we ought to just believe the promises of God. We ought to just believe God's word that he says, hey, I'm coming. And, and I'm coming soon. And you ought to live every day as if it's today. You ought to live with that kind of intensity that, that I believe he's coming today, but but sometimes, you know, crazy looking statues at the UN motivate us more than the Word of God. It's, it's, it makes no sense to me, but that's how we are. I'm not saying you, I'm saying we. It's, the things are happening around us that, that hopefully we, we're seeing and we're paying attention to and recognizing that, man, we don't have long. And if you're going to do anything for God, you need to do it now. There's no time to wait. There's no time to procrastinate. We can't put it off any longer. It's time. It's about time that we take whatever the next step is. And some of us tonight, that's coming to Christ, right? There's probably people in this room who need to come to a personal faith in Jesus Christ. Even on New Year's Eve, you showed up at church, but not, but not born again. There's some that, that need to do other things, but it's, it's time that we do it. And, and I, I just want to take a few minutes, Romans chapter 13, it's a passage of scripture that, that we've been talking about all year in, in relation to the missions ministry of Decatur Baptist Church, and, and I'm going to share with it, it with you tonight, and, and hopefully we can just get some encouragement to do the things that God's called us to do. Eric, just let us in a song a minute ago, say yes. Yes. Will we, will we say yes? Romans chapter 13, verse number 11. And that knowing the time, Paul says, and again, we ought to know what time it is, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. And here's what he says. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. That sounds a lot like what's happening, you know, outside this building tonight. But put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I wonder if we could, we could agree with the Apostle Paul. I mean, I think sometimes we discount it. He, he writes this in the middle of the first century. Here we are in the first quarter of the 21st century. But the amazing thing about the Word of God, it was just as true to that church at Rome as it is today to the church at, at Midtown, Midtown Baptist Temple. This is a reality for us today. And what Paul's saying to us tonight is it's high time for us to wake up to recognize the brevity of the time that we have left 
and to take action. To stop just sitting and soaking and, and to get involved, to take the next step, to let God do in our lives. You know, there's an incredible example in the scriptures. Typically, I wouldn't say to us, we should follow this example. In fact, I don't know of any other case I would say that we should follow this example, but there's a, an incredible example of someone who recognized the brevity of the time that they had left, and they, they changed their operation. They changed the way they went about things. That person is Satan. You come to Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 12, and he's, he's cast out of heaven, and then it says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath. He's always had wrath, but now he has great wrath. Why? Because he knoweth he hath but a short time. He's changing his tactics because, could we say he's numbered his days? He has 1,260 days. He knows how many days he has left. And so with that realization, his focus now is different. His intensity is different. His urgency. He has greater zeal. I, 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 I would venture to say he's He's more focused on his mission. He's doing that in defiance to God to destroy all that God is and all that God does. How about us? Could we believe God as much as Satan? Believe that our time is short and allow that, that, that reality to motivate us to become more focused and more urgent and more intense? about the mission, could we number our days? You know, I, I've been challenged out of Psalms 90. Pastor Bess charged us this week, challenged us this week out of Psalm 90 to number our days. I have 400, or 4,000, God help me, 4,558. That's how many days I got left. If I, you know, 70. But, but Pastor Bess also challenged me to get that extra 10 in. I'm going to do it as soon as I leave here. <laughs> Just after that challenge, we went to Jack Stack. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's the perfect microchasm of the church, right? You know, we hear a message about all the things that we should do, and we walk right out and do the exact opposite. It was wonderful. It was wonderful food. But don't we, don't we do that? You know, we, we're all fired up about it in here, but what about when we go out there? Are we doing anything different? Have we numbered our days? Do we recognize the reality that the time that we have, and is, let me just ask, is the Lord Jesus Christ worthy of every day of my life? Is he worthy of being the preeminent one in my life every day of my life, regardless of how much time I have left? Obviously he is. So I want to encourage us tonight to get motivated. And again, whatever that is in your life, it's probably different. I, I, some people probably need to come to Christ. Some of you need to get connected into a discipleship relationship. Some of you blown out of a discipleship relationship and you need to repent of your sin and get back in it. Some of you need to start LFBI. Some of you need to finish LFBI. You need to quit toying around with it and get serious about it. Some of us need to, we've, we've, we've done all of that and we need to find the ministry that God has for our lives. God has a call on our lives and we need to, to get involved in that and get serious about the mission because the time's short. And there's, no, there's no time left to waste. One of my, my favorite, and, it, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a masochist, I guess, because one of my favorite passages of Scripture is, one of the, is a passage of Scripture that really convicts me. And so I, I talk about it, I feel like a lot, Proverbs 24, verses 30 to 34, he says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of a man void of understanding. The field is the world. The vineyard is the church. And he says, I, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof of the stone wall thereof was broken down. I mean, it's, the field that God's called us to is as the bride of Christ, we're that virtuous woman who considereth a field and buyeth it, right? We go all in on a field. And whatever field you're in, you're, you ought to go all in on it, right? If God's got you in Kansas City, we ought to be all in. We ought to buy that field. Sacrifice everything to, to buy that field. But if we're slothful and we're lazy, when you go buy that field, what it looks like is a field that's covered up with the curse. 
You know, let's get honest tonight. The United States of America looks like the field of a slothful man. Our country looks like the field of a slothful man. And we are that man. Our church, our, our church, our country is in a mess because of us. He says, I, I saw and I considered it well. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want, traveleth and thy want is an armed man. He's, what, what, what he's saying is it just takes a little bit of laziness, a little bit of sleep, just a, a little, even a little folding of the hands, just a, a little loss of intensity, and the work suffers, the mission suffers. And so Paul is admonishing us tonight to, to wake up. We're, we are the Laodicean church, but let's, let's be a Laodicean church that's striving to be like Philadelphia. And I, listen, I, I know that, that we we hold those values and, and we believe those truths. But let's carry out that work. And, and it's not just a few of us. We, we can't sit on the sideline and say, man, Andrew, wow, it's awesome, dude. You're going to Vietnam. That's, that's awesome. I'm going I'm to go back to my life over here. What's my role in that? Every one of us. What's my role in the kingdom? Where, where does God have me in the mission? We've got to wake up to that so that we can focus on the mission. If, and and that's, what, that's what Paul says here, knowing the time, it's high time that we awake out of sleep. So I'm going to talk about just three things. It's high time, it's about time that we wake up. And it may require that somebody shake us so that we wake up to the reality of what's going on around us. When I'm, when I'm asleep, I'm my, my senses are dulled. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not involved in the things that's going on around me. I'm, I'm living in a fantasy world. I'm living in a dream world. There's really no reality. In fact, I'm tied up in this world system, which is nothing more than a fantasy world. The reality is the spiritual kingdom. The reality is the things of eternity. I need to wake up. I need to come out of the sleep, get out of the darkness, and recognize the mission that God has for my life. I just encourage us tonight to wake up. And, and that, I think, I think the church in America is, is asleep to the mission, by and large. And I know a lot of believers are. And I know it's easy to happen. I pastor a church that's been involved in missions for a long, long time. But it's sure easy to rest on our laurels. You know, I, I, listen, I, it's so easy for me to, to want to get to the place where I can just coast, right? You know, let's just set this thing up and, and let's just kind of get our systems together and, and, and then we'll just coast. There's no time to coast. We'll, we'll rest in the millennium. But right now, we've got to wear ourselves out with a mission. Paul, he, he writes to the church at Ephesus, and it's a very, it's a very similar text. In, in chapter 5, verse 11, he talks about having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. We'll, we'll see that a minute, in a minute in Romans 13. I don't know if I even read the text. Did I? I think I did. Having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Here he says, cast off those works of darkness. He says, but, but we should reprove them. And, and he goes on and talks about the way that those works of darkness are reproved are, are through the light. And, and ultimately says in verse 14, awake thou that sleepest, arise thou from the dead, and, and Christ shall give thee light. He's, he's encouraging us. He's saying, it's, it's, you're asleep. It's like you're dead. You're not involved. You're not, you're not participating in the activities of life. We've got to get about the mission. We've got to get about the master. We've got to get about going out and, and finding that bride for him. We've got to get about planting and, and watering and, and trusting God to give the increase. And we've got to do it now. We've got to do it now. Until we, until we wake up, there's no light to, to reprove the works of darkness. 
That's what Paul says. And again, it's a common theme. It's, it's amazing. There's a, a verse in the middle of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You know, Paul's writing that letter to this Corinthian church, this local New Testament church, and he's just going, you know, subject by subject of all the issues that they're messed up on. And one of them is the resurrection. And chapter 15 is dedicated to dealing with how jacked up they were on the resurrection. But there's this verse in the middle of it that's, it, it seems out of place, but he's, in, light of the, in light of the resurrection, in light of what Christ has done, in light of the power of God that indwells every born-again believer in Jesus Christ, he says, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. And catch this. I speak this to your shame. He, he's encouraging us to, to wake up to righteousness, to, to not live in sin, to, to separate ourselves from this world system because there's people who don't have the knowledge of God. Do we realize tonight that there are, there are literally hundreds of thousands of people, missiology tell, missiologists tell us this, 154,937 people. I don't know how they came up with the number, but that's what they say. 154,937 people die every day without Jesus Christ. And that's alarming. That should break our hearts. I mean, I get, do we believe the word of God? Is it literal? Are, are those people in hell? Are, have they failed to achieve the glory of God? It, maybe you're looking at me, maybe I said something crazy. So, to quote Alan, let me be kind and rewind. I, I did say 154,000, I have to look at the number every time, that's because I'm old. 937 people die every day without Jesus Christ. And they go to a Christless hell. And they never bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should bother us. Amen? That should bother us. That should concern us. This should concern us more. 60% of them didn't reject Jesus Christ as their Savior. They never even heard of him. They died in places that have no access to the gospel. 60% of those people who died and went to hell died in a place that had no gospel witness. There was no one there to tell them the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what Paul says is, we need to wake up. We need to wake up to that. You know, I, I, can I submit that we, we kind of like to be asleep because it deadens the senses to realities like that. If I'm asleep, you know, I really don't have to deal with that. I don't have to confront that. I don't have to, I don't have to deal with what my responsibility is in that. Do we own that? Do we, do we, can we appreciate tonight that we are responsible? That, that as believers in Jesus Christ who have the resurrected Christ dwelling within us, we are responsible. It's interesting to me that 97% of the world, Jeff Bartell and I went on a mission trip years ago down to Belize, Central America. We're in the jungles, man. We're in the middle of nowhere. But I could walk 100 feet and get a cold Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's because 97% of the world has access to Coca-Cola. 97%. Only 30% of the world has access to the gospel. And, and let me just say plainly what the problem is. Coca-Cola is motivated by money. Our only motivation is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we seem to not think that's that important. Oh, by the way, we had an 1,800-year start, head start on Coca-Cola. I'm not trying to make us feel bad, but I am trying to maybe throw a little cold water in our face so we'll wake up. Because we all have a role to play. I, it's a big world. 
There's a lot that needs to be done. In fact, there's more that needs to be done right now than there's ever been before. And we are the ones to do it. We're, we're at Midtown Baptist Temple. Do you believe from Midtown Baptist Temple you can impact the world? Yeah. Do we believe that? Yeah. Then let's act on it. In fact, if we believe it, we will. So I got to go. We, we need to wake up. That's the first thing he says, right? So it's about time to, to wake up, and then it's about time to suit up. Notice verse 12, Romans chapter 13. I'm back there. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. I, I just want us to, to recognize before I can suit up with the armor of light, that, that light that's going to reprove the works of darkness, I've got to get the darkness off of me. I've got to cast off the works of darkness. And, and certainly, you know, he, we, we read a moment ago, uh, Paul's talking to Rome about, the, you know, those, those things that, that, that we, we don't need to be walking in. You know, he talks about uh, not walking in rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness and strife and envy. And, and certainly it's true, right? right? Let's, let's get those things out of our life. But I think that's fairly obvious to us. I want to submit to us tonight, though, that it's, it's bigger than that because God is light. And how much darkness is in him? So any work of darkness is a, is a work that's separated from God. It's, it's something in my life that is not a work of God in my life. It's anything that keeps me from the mission. It's anything that keeps me from being who God has called me to be, right? I'm not sure we're agreeing on that. If God is light, he, he's the opposite of darkness. So any work of darkness is something that's absent of God. And there's a lot of things in our lives. In fact, you know, it's interesting to me is that, that when Paul's writing again to the church at Corinth, and he's, it's kind of strange again, he, you know, he's talking about them being jacked up in, in the area of, of marital relationships. He, he begins to talk about time being short, and he's, he's talking about husbands and wives and the way that we should relate to one another. And, and then he says in verse number 29, it's on the screen, 1 Corinthians 7, 29, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. Okay, in light of the, the reality, just like what we're talking about from Romans, just like what he said in Ephesians, Paul, it's a constant thing. He, he says, because the time is short, it remaineth that they, which, uh, they that have wives be as though they have none. He's talking about marital relationships, and so that's why he makes this point. But it's a, kind of a, it's a little crazy thing to say. It seems a little strange, doesn't it? Those that have wives be as though they have none. What, what are you talking about, Paul? Well, we know he's not saying that, that I can not fulfill my, my, my responsibilities to my wife or, or my wife fulfill her responsibilities to me because the scriptures teach that those are our responsibilities. So the scripture doesn't disagree with itself. So what's he saying? I, I, I think what Paul is saying is this. We need to recognize the real purpose for marriage. Jeff and I have been friends for a long time, so I keep talking about him. Late 80s, we were bachelors to the rapture, right? That's what we were going to be, right? Of course, that's probably because we bought that book that 88 Reasons Christ is Coming in 88. And so we believe, you know, hey, we're out of here quick anyway, so we can make it. But you know, God recognized pretty early on how stupid that was, right? How foolish we are. And so he gave us, he gave us wives that, that, that are godly and beautiful ladies and, and enhance the mission. I couldn't do the ministry. Obviously, Jeff and Erla. You know, I, I think he told you some stuff about Albania last night and the ministry there. Obviously, without Erla. Well, you know. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's just not much good. Right? God, God saw that, and he, he saw that we needed that. But here's the thing I, I want you to recognize is Marriage, marriage isn't the mission. Hear that again. Marriage isn't the mission. It's intended to enhance the mission. It's, it's, it's intended to enable me to accomplish the mission. That, that's what marriage is. It's about accomplishing the mission, right? It's, it's to cause me to be better at achieving the mission. It, it's not first and foremost. The mission is first and foremost. 
And, and that's what Paul is saying. He says, let's, let's get back to the purpose of marriage. When, when God saw Adam in the Garden of Eden, he says, it's not good that man should be alone. There's no way that he can accomplish the mission I'm about to give to him. I'm going to have to give him a help that is appropriate for him, a help that will, will be appropriate in him being able to achieve the mission that I'm giving to him. And, and the purpose for marriage hasn't changed. The purpose for marriage hasn't changed. It's not about our fulfillment. It's about the mission, the fulfillment of the mission. That's why we have marriage. And so when, when we talk about casting off the works of darkness, it may not be all those vile, sinister things that we maybe would think of, but it could just be me thinking that my marriage is the central focus of my life, and it's all about gratifying me. It's about, you know, a three-bedroom, two-bath with a white picket fence. It's not what marriage is about. You know, Sam has prayed the last couple of mornings, and he prayed for the ladies, and he prayed for the guys, because he, like I, after 30 or so years of ministry, have watched many young people Swap out the mission for a mate. They were more interested in marriage than they were in the mission. And it completely derailed them. And they never fulfilled. They haven't, many of them, I, 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 could, I, could, I could give you names who have never fulfilled what God called them to do. And they'll one day stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and see him for who he is and realize what a terrible deal they made. They swapped something that would, would be eternal for something that is temporal. Don't make that deal. Make your life about the mission. And you know what? If you'll make your life about the mission, God will give you everything you need. We sang that tonight. Like Pastor Trotter used to say though, you know, we're Christians, we don't tell lies, we sing them. <laughs> and a lot of times we do. You're all I need. Well, you know, except for that good looking girl. Except for three bedroom, two bath, white picket fence. If you make your life about the mission, I believe with all of my heart, just like he did with Adam, God provided Adam's need. And he'll provide yours if that's what you need. Just get about the mission. Just get sold out to the mission. So, I, I, I gotta go. So, so, so he's, these, are, these are just examples of works of darkness that we need to cast off. And, and notice he says cast them off. He didn't say, you know, gently lay them down beside you so that you can pick them up tomorrow. Throw them away. He said in Ephesians, have no fellowship with them but reprove them. He goes on and he talks about emotions in verse number 30. Of, this is back in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. They that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not. You know, he gives these extremes. He's talking about these extremes of our emotions. And man, do we ever have some extremes about emo of emotions in our day and time? <laughs> we, are, we are a little jacked up emotionally. Okay, we're a lot jacked up emotionally. And what he says is that's a work of darkness. I, I, I believe in what he's saying because time is short. You've got to get out of your emotions and get in the mission. You've got to quit getting so worked up over temporal things and get about eternal things, about the mission. Don't, don't let yourself get so low that you lose focus on the mission. Don't let yourself get so high that you lose focus on the mission. And we, do, we go to both of those extremes, and life's so good. I'm making bank. I don't have time for the mission. I got to go do other things. It's not worth it. It's not a worthy trade. We, 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 need, to, we need to get our emotions in check. Because we know the outcome. You know, I have, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be Joe if I didn't give you a football illustration. The Georgia Bulldogs. I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan. Calm down. We're at church. 
They're playing the Michigan Wolverines right now. Thank you, Kenny, for that beautiful maze pullover you got. Now, Kenny doesn't, if you, I had to take my watch and put my, my phone and put it away because people were texting me from the beginning of the service. <laughs> Tell me what's going on. Would you please shut up? <laughs> Someone ceremoniously shoot this person. <laughs> don't, don't talk. Don't talk. Hand over your mouth. Look, right here. It is. Good. Night. Kenny doesn't want to know the score. Now, once the, once the service is over, you can tell me the score. I want to know, okay? Because here's why. I'll have so much more fun watching the game, knowing the outcome. I, I won't, you know, they make a bad play. I usually get pretty down, you know, I get frustrated. They make a good play, I get pretty excited, I'm rejoicing. But if I know the outcome, those emotions, those highs and lows, they just level out. Because I know how it all ends. It really doesn't matter. The highs don't matter that much. The lows don't matter that much. I know the outcome. Come on, guys. We know the outcome. Do we believe the promises? Do we believe the promises? Is Jesus coming? Right? Are we going to rule and reign with Christ? Are we going to glorify him throughout all of eternity? Okay, well, let's forget about the emotional junk today and just get about the mission. That's a work of darkness. He goes on and he talks about materialistic things. He goes, in verse number 31, and they that use the world is not abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away. I missed the first part of that verse because I'm in a hurry. Let me back up to verse number 30. And they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world is not abusing it for the fashion of this world passeth away. So he makes that point again. Time's short. This world is passing away. He says, so, you know, listen, you're going to have to buy some stuff because you've got to survive. But make sure what you do is, is to use this world to achieve the mission. Not, not abusing this world. And man, as Americans, as Laodiceans, as 21st century Christians, we have such a hard time balancing that and staying on the side of just using this world for, for accomplishing the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ and not slipping over into a place where I'm abusing this world, where I've got so many possessions and so many things and I'm working so hard so I can have some more. We've got to be about the mission. And we ought to take the material resources that God's given us. Would it be, would it be too much to say to us tonight? I don't know. If, if this is wrong, Sam, rebuke me. No, you don't have to rebuke me here. Just, you guys just know Joe's an idiot, Sam's not, <laughs> right? And I think that, that ought, there ought not be anything in my life that I'm more vested in than the mission. There, there's nothing in my life that's more important than the mission. And so the resources that God has entrusted to me, it, it should be reflected in what I do with those resources. So when I look at my budget, the, the number one item, not just in priority, but in amount, ought to be the mission. Amen? It, it ought to be the highest category above all. That I'm doing, I'm taking more of those resources and investing them in the mission than I am in anything else in the world. It's that important. And, and to do otherwise, I'm going to submit to you tonight, and again, I can be corrected. It's a work of darkness. And it needs to be cast off. And we need to do whatever it takes to make that happen. We've got to get the crap out of our lives. We've got to get rid of the clutter. We've got we to get lean. We've we, we got to get prepared for the end. I mean, this thing is winding down. It's, we're at the jumping off point. Don't waste your time with temporal things. Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. I don't think I need to say a lot about that. Right? We know the armor of God. We understand that. You, but, but Ephesians chapter 6, you know, we can't, really, we can't really get that armor on if we've got all the works of darkness on, right? If we're, if we're still bulked up with all the works of darkness, you know, and I'm, I'm living life to satisfy myself, and, and, and I got my emotions, you know, out on my sleeves, you know, and I'm, I'm covered up with all, this, all these things. 
I can't get the armor of light on. I've got to get all of that off. I've got to, I've got to wake up. I've got to get the works of darkness off. I've got to recognize that time is short so that I can put on the armor of light. I can, I can have the loins girt about with, with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All of those things, I, I, I need to suit up because I'm in a fight. And it's a fight for the kingdom. That's why it's called armor. Because we're in a warfare. We're in a battle. I love what Paul wrote to Timothy. And again, I'm hurrying here. He said, listen to what he said. No man. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Are you like me? You know, I tend to think, well, you know, I'm the exception to the rule. I mean, I know he said no man. But, but I, can, I can balance it. I, I just need to have a nice, comfortable balance between the works of darkness and the armor of light. You, you can't. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You're going to love the one or you're going to hate the other. It's just the way it is. You're not the exception to the rule. You are not the exception to the rule. You cannot be in the mission and in this world too. And, it, and it's high time... <laughs> It's about time that we figure that out. The last thing he says is, is once you've, you've woken up and you've suited up, it's time to straighten up. Walk honestly. As in the day. When is the day? Oh, that's when Christ sits on the throne and he, he rules and reigns. We should live our lives As if Christ were sitting on the throne here on the earth today, ruling and reigning, because he sits on the throne of our lives, right? I, I should be walking honestly as in the day. And I, he, he talks about walking. Just slow, forward progress. You know, there's probably two extremes that come out of a conference like this. We go home and do nothing, or we, we decide tomorrow's January 1st, I'm going to win my whole neighborhood to Jesus. You know, I'm going to read the whole Bible tomorrow. I'm so motivated. Your zeal is admirable. Your endurance is doubtful. Walk. So everybody in this room needs to take a step. Every person in this room, there's no exceptions. Right? Everybody needs to take a step. And, and, and listen, it doesn't end with one step, it's another step. We need to continue to walk because that's how, right? Walking is, is habitual, right? I mean, we, we understand that. It's, it's, it's just a normal part of life. Continual forward progress. And so what I, I want to challenge us to do is, is to do that, to start taking those steps, and, and, and not in the rioting and the drunkenness, not chambering and wanting, all those things that, he, that, that we know we shouldn't be doing, to take that next step that Christ would have for us to take in our lives. Let me just finish with this. I love Hebrews chapter 11, don't you? He, he lists the heroes of the faith, the hall of fame of the heroes of the faith. You know, the interesting thing in that chapter, he lists all those people and, and all the wonderful things that they did, but, but he starts by saying, these all died in faith, not having received the promise. But having seen it afar off, and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I don't know when Jesus is coming. This might be a shock to you. You don't either. I don't know when he's coming. And, and, and after preaching a message about time short and we ought to be ready for his coming, could I, could I just maybe, maybe squander it all by saying that really doesn't matter. The timing really doesn't matter. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. But they saw them afar off. 
And you know what? They, 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 didn't, they didn't just see them, but they were persuaded of them. They believed them. And they didn't just believe them, but they embraced them. They made them their own. They said, this is going to be something that, is, that I'm going to own. I'm going to embrace. I'm going to wrap my arms around this reality. And they confessed. <coughs> they were strangers. Yes. You have no rights. You're a stranger. This world is not your home. Quit fighting for your rights. And pilgrims, I'm not here for long. One way or another, I'm out of here pretty quick. So I don't need to have my roots too deep in the things of this world. Could we tonight see the promise of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and really get persuaded of it? I mean, really believe it and embrace it. And then tonight confess, I'm just a stranger and a pilgrim. This world's not my home. I'm out of here soon. Hallelujah. I want to give the time that I got living like I'm leaving. I want to live like I'm leaving. And whatever that means, tonight I'm going to take that step. Whatever that means for you, whatever the next step is for you, I'm going to take that step. God has, has spoken great things, right? What, what, what James shared, what Jeff shared, what you've heard in the mornings, what you've heard in the breakout sessions. I can't believe that you've been here and God hasn't, hasn't said something to you. Here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to solidify that. You, you need to tell God you're going to do it. You, you probably need to tell somebody else. Maybe your pastor, you need to tell your pastor. You need to tell the guy that's, or girl that's discipling you. You need to tell somebody, hey, here's what God's speaking to me. I, I've become increasingly burdened in my church at how much we ignore God. He speaks and we do nothing. Don't let that be you. Let's let God do something in our lives tonight. Could we? Would you let tonight be the invitation from the whole week and just step out and say, God, I'll do it. Hey, I'm going to burn the ships. I, the last thing Paul says here is, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh. I'm going to burn the ships. I, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to live in the flesh, and I'm also going to leave any provision for the flesh. Let's let God do in our lives what he wants to do tonight. Let me pray for us. Father, we love you tonight, and we need you. We, 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 we confess that we can't do any of this on our own. And so tonight, we, we ask you to speak into our lives to, God, allow us to hear your promises, to see your promises, Father, to be persuaded of those promises, to embrace them, and Father, to confess that we're strangers and pilgrims in the earth, and, and that nothing in this world really matters. Nothing compares to you. Nothing compares to your mission and what you've called us to. God, I pray you'd help us, every one of us, to take that next step in obedience to you.